Hey, hey everyone, and welcome to Edge Money, where we talk with leaders and change agents in the industry and really get to the heart of their stories. We learn from them, get to hear about their successful digital transformations and what impact their roles have had on their business. Before I tell you about our guests, I'd like to give you guys a number. You can write this number down, maybe put it on a post-it note, but that number is 2,422,698. Anybody got any guesses? Well, that is how many Ford vehicles were sold in 2019. Clearly no small company, and like most major companies, Ford has navigated the pressures of a dynamic economy and the volatile shifts of consumer demand. But what I know for sure is Ford is tough and they're here to stay. Our guest today has a journey to share about her life at Ford in Dearborn, Michigan. Just a stone's throw away from Detroit, the city is home to prominent leaders in the automotive industry, Lisa Gonzalez-Smith being one of them. Lisa Gonzalez-Smith is a trusted global procurement leader in transforming global end-to-end -end supply chain processes on both the indirect and direct material side. With well over 30 years in global end-to-end -end supply chain process experience, not only has she been successful managing operations, but she also has a proven track record of delivering SAP Ariba global programs at Ford Motor Company on budget and ahead of schedule with state-of-the-art cloud-based technology. Lisa, Lisa, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Mitch, hello. It's great to be with you here today, and I um, really thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that, Lisa. So I can imagine being part of an esteemed group like the IEAC. You probably thought you'd be traveling the world, globe-trotting, speaking at various events, but I'm guessing COVID may have thrown a bit of a monkey wrench on those plans. You know, it's changed the uh, travel landscape just a bit, that's for sure. Uh, but I have to admit, I do not miss the lovely airport experience that I know folks can relate to. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it, it's been a remarkable opportunity. It's allowed me to meet with the account executives to understand the customer situations and their journey, where they're at, and then be able to meet with the customers and understand from their point of view uh, and be able to share transformation insights and help them discover areas of opportunity from the view of a customer who's kind of been there, done that. You know what I mean? So I'd like to say that, that we've made some COVID lemons into some great lemonade, that's for sure. I just want to take a step back for those who are wondering, um, the Independent Executive Advisory Council is uh, C-level executives who have retired from their positions as successful SAP customer accounts. Um, they provide independent advisory services and engage with our internal account reviews and also our customer engagements. Um, they are an extra level of executive credibility due to their past experiences working at SAP customer accounts, and they have the ability to understand the challenges and opportunities of customer space as prospect space as well. But Lisa, tell me about, you know, being a procurement professional what, and what we all know is the automotive capital of the world. I mean, I'm a little bit partial to the South, but I've had some great connections from people from the great state of Michigan. Um, was Detroit the place to be if you were a procurement professional, a supply chain professional during your time in Ford? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, Etch, I love the South too, but the Motor City has been my home for a couple of decades now. And during this time, we've seen Motown remain the auto automotive capital, and I, I'd like to say that it always will be. But we've also seen the industry broaden to other areas here in the U.S., you know, uh, from Detroit, of course, uh, but then you have the transplants that have grown so much in the South. As a matter of fact, I spent 10 years in Kentucky when I was with Toyota. But you know what's interesting 
is that with the shift toward new technologies like autonomous vehicles, electrification, ride sharing and such, Silicon Valley has gained an impressive automotive presence. And it's funny, 10 years ago, who would have really thought about a Motown, Silicon Town kind of connection, right? It's crazy, but, uh, <laughs> but that, that's where it's at. With all that soul in Detroit, talk to me about the landscape before. I mean, systems, processes, culture, was there singing in the hallways? Talk about the organization, how you guys operated and how you got to your digital journey. Okay. Um, Ford is a 117-year-old company. It's a, it's a widely recognized brand. It has great products, great people. It, it's a great company. And oh, yes, it has its culture. <laughs> um, you know, processes were wide and deep. And sometimes we even had processes for processes, if you know what I mean. And often it was coupled with technology that uh, was almost as old as I am. And I can tell you that means it's getting pretty old there. Um, but there was a lot of manual activity, a lot of tight controls. But, you know, we had a strategy. We, we put together a, a five-year business roadmap, uh, uh, an investment strategy for the 21st century. And so for us, that meant we actually skipped forward a millennium, literally, from the, the mid-70s kind of systems uh, in, in the 1970s to, uh, to the 21st century. But, you know, automotive is a very capital-intensive and a very complex business. And so the priority naturally tends to go toward uh, investing in product development and manufacturing because we want great safe products. So it was important to have a strong business case to reimagine the procurement processes and, and that was really important for our transformation because as people know the investment pie is only so big to go around and we had to kind of muscle our, through, our way through with, with facts in order to get a piece of that pie. I like that word muscle, good stuff. So you know I'm, I'm thinking about companies that, that I used to work for and I, I can only imagine, you know, working in a manufacturing facility, um, just the process and how things work are just, you know, profound. The materials used, um, seeing the process from start to finish. I mean, and even just the purchasing power of a company like Ford on both the direct and indirect spaces. Can you share some examples of um, what I would say the most critical strategic purchases are for a company like Ford? You know, um, you're absolutely right about the manufacturing environment. It's, it's like a symphony orchestra when you're on an assembly floor. And I love manufacturing. I love walking the plant floor. And we used to say, I love the smell of cutting fluid in the morning. But purchasing an automotive, like any other heavy manufacturing, has a strong influence on the bottom line. Um, I mean, did you know, Etch, that about two-thirds of total revenue generated has to then turn around and be spent on direct and indirect goods and services. Can you believe it? Two thirds. Oh, and so, you know, purchasing's impact uh, that it plays is huge. And so, isn't it fair to say that they need enablers in order to support meeting those objectives? Because it literally translates into millions and even billions of dollars in savings annually. You're very right about those enablers. And um, I want to, you know, take a little bit of a turn. We're talking about Detroit. And, you know, Detroit has gone through, obviously, an economic crisis, 2008, 2009. Um, you probably have had, you know, wavering trust and leadership in the city, um, probably a difficult place to work. And I'm sure, of course, before you guys had your own unique challenges as well. But could you point to any compelling event or, or forces that, that drove Ford to do something different about the existing source to pay landscape? Yeah, you know, it, it actually led to what we did in our, our transformation, which I'll, I'll get into in a bit. But you know, the automotive industry meltdown back in 2008, 2009, when we were having the Great Recession, uh, automakers were sitting in front of Congress, um, you know, in, in a fight to survive. The suppliers were going bankrupt on almost a daily basis. 
And so the, the need to proactively manage that financial distress, as well as have a mitigation strategy to ensure supply that was hugely critical. And so my team actually developed over the Christmas holiday, uh, a, a tracking mechanism for financial distress because we really had no system to do that. Now today, when you look at the risk management tools that you all have, as well as the global network of supply visibility that's available to users, like with Discovery, that's leaps and bounds ahead of where we were. And we certainly could have used it during that epic making time. Now, COVID has kind of forced this to the forefront again, right? And yeah. so co companies can use this opportunity to, to take a pause and reflect during this crisis on what I call the KISS principles. You know, what is it that's good about the business that you want to keep? And where are the opportunities to improve? And what should they start doing? Like new technology and discovering ways that they can leverage that technology. And, and also what to stop doing. I mean, just because it's been that way for 30 years doesn't make it the right thing to keep doing. So, Lisa, you, you got to give us the secret sauce. Or at least, you know, what was implemented? Can you talk about what was done at Ford? Kind of give us kind of the full the full whammy of what, what happened at Ford. Well, um, you know, we, we implemented, as I said, we had a, a five-year roadmap of investment that we used to kind of guide us and, and serve as our North Star on the journey. But we started with a global end-to-end -end, uh, for indirect. And indirect is everything that doesn't go on the vehicle. We call it from um, flower shops to body shops because it, it encompasses all of the things a company needs to run the business without it going in the physical end product. And we did that, uh, we implemented that globally across five regions, uh, over 70 countries, and we embraced the strategic sourcing and the contract compliance, as well as uh, what we refer to as procure to pay, I think it's BNI now, and also the supplier uh, lifecycle performance, the SLP. We also then, as we were designing that, realized there was a real synergy opportunity with strategic sourcing in the direct space. And the direct space, which is everything that goes into the vehicle from seats to struts, um, accounts for about 80% of the buy. And, and this is in the, you know, the, the tens of billions of dollars. And so we were able to implement that globally across all categories or commodities as vehicle programs came into the development cycle. So at a certain point in the sourcing process that a vehicle uh, vehicle's life cycle occurs, we implemented that for all and uh, this then led to a finance and uh, evaluation for the finance organization and also further direct procurement transformation. And so we looked at S4HANA and um, I actually led the team to the business case approval and into the early stages of design in that space as well. And as I understand, it's going quite well. Wow. I mean, you know, we live in a world of numbers. You know, we're looking at, you know, COVID cases on the news looking at how much gas prices are going down, uh, probably how much money we're spending on groceries now that we're all home, right? But, you know, in a world of numbers, can you give us an idea of the tangible benefits uh, Ford has received by going through this transformation? Well, when we started, I explained, you know, look, we're not even going to look at rogue spend as an issue here because um, you had to get an act of the almighty in order to buy a pen there. And so we focused on a lot of other areas, and those are where the real uh, the real dollars came through. The significant incremental material cost reduction, both for indirect, especially with complex things like buying an assembly line or buying a body shop or buying a data warehouse or whatever that, that is, where it allowed us to gain transparency to data that we did not consistently have before. 
And that was really the premise of our business case. We also gained a lot of operational efficiency because people weren't looking in their C drive and trying to reconcile this Excel spreadsheet to another one, et cetera. Uh, the accounts payable team had a significant improvement in terms of uh, getting away from the manual invoicing with the PO to invoice flip. And then also uh, we improved our, our supplier on time payment by about 30%. It was significant. And uh, on, on the fringe of those things, however, but I think also very important from an enterprise point of view, is the improvement we had in tax recovery, more accurately recovering tax uh, in a more timely fashion, and also um, a, a much more proactive rather than reactive audit compliance because of some of the controls at a line item level that the, the software allows. And so there was a lot of great stuff, um, you know, but primarily it rested with material cost savings that were incremental to what we had previously had, as well as the operational efficiencies. You know, Lisa, I, I got to tell you a story. So uh, I actually purchased the TV recently, and I felt like, you know, remember when purchases were simple, right? You just go to the store, you pick, you know, between two or three and make a decision. But I felt like, I mean, there was so much information about, you know, product type, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, you know, all this stuff. I was so confused. And we live in a world with just so much information. And think about these technology purchases. I'm sure consumers um, really have to make a decision off of a lot of a lot of data. So let's let's just kind of you know paint the picture, right? So let's say I'm in the store and I, I, I bump into somebody and they're on their phone looking at technology to improve their P2P processes. And I'm trying to convince them that you know this is the solution that they should be investing in. But I only got like you know maybe a minute or so to, to convince them, you know. How do you suggest I frame that conversation to get that person, you know, to realize the value of these solutions? Sure. Just just a couple of thoughts. Um, you know, first of all, open your mind to what is outside of your current state. In other words, imagine the art of the possible unconstrained. Understand what's important to run the business. What is it that you need to do to meet the objectives? But release your mind from that current state and take the opportunity to learn about the technology, get educated around it, so that you can leverage that technology in order to reverse engineer how you do that business going forward. How can you run the business differently, more efficiently, and use the capability that that software has to offer? That, that's really, in a nutshell, what I encourage anybody embarking on this type of journey to do and, and step away from that, um, you know, from that this is the way we've always done it kind of, kind of view. And, um, and, and look at uh, the new technology and say, wow, I didn't even know I could do that. Just like with the TVs that, you know, when people are shopping for TVs, it's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize I could, you know, do all this streaming and so forth that I was never able to do before. Lisa, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, it's been a remarkable conversation. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Edge, it was a pleasure. Uh, really enjoy working with SAP and the team globally. And I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be able to share some of those insights. And hopefully we can share some of those insights with, with your customers as well, because at the end of the day, we want them to be successful. Thanks for being here today. And viewers, thanks for watching. Everybody have a good day.